the majority of people that we deal with, and this will be no surprise to a lot of our listeners, had difficult experiences growing up in their right. in their family of origin, and uh, that that probably of all things, that's probably the most common. Uh, presentation that I've discovered in my role as a, a chaplain right. that uh, that some people join the military to get away from a dysfunctional family if that's you we're here to help you because we we're, we're mindful that our, all of our life experiences are mm-hmm. an amalgam of our, you know various uh, things that have happened to us along the journey of life and uh, we want to support you ladies and gentlemen welcome to the veterans care association and timor awakening podcast the timor awakening program is an 11 day immersive holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program based in East Timor as a singular vision, which is to promote the health and well-being of veterans and veterans' families. Due to the current restrictions from COVID-19, we are running slightly abridged programs on the Gold Coast uh, with the same vision and same aim. We're using these opportunities to sit down with our participants one-on-one and conduct podcast interviews to capture their story and their lessons learned and things that we can all learn from uh, as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journey and help others do the same. We're going to be covering a whole range of topics, including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, PTSD, and post-traumatic growth. Whether you're out and about or listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll learn a lot by listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. Gary Stone, welcome. We finally get the chance to sit down and have a podcast interview. Thank you, Michael. I really appreciate the chance to chat with you. And here we are sitting in the backyard of your own son, Michael Stone. He's created quite a uh, Garden of Eden here, isn't he? Beautiful, uh, beautiful demonstration garden of how someone living a healthy, holistic life can nurture themselves by food they grow organically and... Yeah, and create a beautiful environment as well. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely done a 180. It was a desolate uh, backyard of ever I've seen one that's been turned into a fertile producing uh, vegetable patch now. It's fantastic. A good, a good demonstration that uh, nothing's unrecoverable and that uh, all of us can you know, move from death to life. That's exactly right. And that's all, what this is all about at the end of the day. And uh, look, we're hoping, listeners, that the um, sound of the road over the back back fence isn't too distracting we trust that the um uh that ultimately what you're coming here for is some some content and some some words of wisdom so i hope we can um, we can ignore that but um gary what we might just start doing is uh you know what we do with each of these interviews is just get um each person to just give a bit of an overview of um your career and you know obviously that's not something you can condense down into a few minutes very easily because you've been around the traps for sure but uh for anyone who doesn't know you that well just um yeah just the in a few minutes or less where you served and what you did sure thanks michael yeah so i'm 68 years into the journey of life i I grew up here in brisbane at age 17 i entered the royal military college at duntroon and then had a 24-year career as an infantry officer had a few deployments overseas to malaysia fiji iran and iraq uh, at the end of that Iran, Iraq mission, I was asked if I'd consider becoming a chaplain, which I agreed to. Mm. And I studied at Banyo Seminary here in Brisbane for four years, and then I was ordained a deacon in the Catholic Church, and then started a, a second career, as it were, as a, as a chaplain, uh, mainly with the Army initially, but subsequently with the Federal Police as well, doing both work in the... Uh, yeah, it was part-time work for the for the army and part-time work for the federal police, and that involved many many deployments. I had nine deployments in the Solomons, nine in Timor. I uh, went to the Asian tsunami when there was a massive disaster there, and also just worked with federal police and other activities in Australia. Um, on top of that, I I've been 
doing a, a lot of uh, charitable work all, all through my life. Probably the most significant of it started in 2000 when I established an organisation called Friends and Partners with East Timor. Mm-hmm. And for the next 18 years, we worked on capacity development and uh, and raised, raising funds to relieve poverty, yeah. ma- mainly working in the health and education areas in Timor. But uh, that, that was a very significant part of my life. And uh, it continues today in another form where um, we have this Veterans Care Association, which, uh, again, was... Uh, Something that came like like the work in Timor came out of a disaster. Uh, I had a major health crisis in 2012 where I got cancer, yep. and then uh, in the operation to deal with the cancer, I was accidentally uh, the doctor cut my bowel open, and I ended up with a disease called peritonitis, which almost killed me. And I sure. decided to well, I did a lot of research then into health and well-being, and I realised that a, a different approach. Uh, was needed for veterans. I mean, I, I was a veteran who'd had a lot of deployments overseas and uh, I'd become very unhealthy and the standard treatment of putting people on medication or giving a little bit of counselling certainly wasn't helping that my health was uh, quickly going down downhill. And in my, through my own research, I discovered holistic health. I'd never really heard about that before. Um, I discovered a whole bunch of things about nutrition, mindfulness, meditation, yoga, lots of things that I hadn't uh, had as part of my armory uh, up until then. And a group of us got together and we formed this Veterans Care Association, which has just blossomed over the last six years. And uh, people would be aware that uh, my son Michael came on board and to the team and uh, had a suggestion that we would probably get uh, more significance out of giving veterans a, a, a complete program rather than just working individually with them. Mm. And uh, he developed this Timor Awakening program, which has been really successful, and we've completed 14 of those programs now. But uh, And that yeah, brings us to today. We're, yeah. now, we're now in this situation where we've um, you know, had, had very successful group programs, that we've uh, built a very strong team of uh, you know, frontline workers and support staff, and we're in a strong position to provide a, uh, a new approach to um, veterans' health. We're, we're concerned about not only helping a few veterans ourselves, we're wanting to really, our strategic aim is to actually change the whole way that veterans' health is addressed in Australia and move it, move it from a, a model that's focused on sickness to a model that's focused on wellness and promoting wellness. Well, a uh, illustrious background. <laughs> Certainly, uh, <laughs> It's it's almost sounds like the whole Timor Awakening program and what Veterans Care Association is is really a culmination of your life's work. Well, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? I I think all of us can uh, look back on our lives and and see how things in the past uh, have, have led us to the point we are in the present. And certainly, yeah, certainly my background as a as an infantryman, my my experience as a chaplain. And then my own personal experience, you know, mm. with with health crises, with I didn't mention post traumatic stress. I yeah. obviously experienced that as as many veterans had. Uh, all, all of that brought together this uh, and and blossom into this wonderful organisation we've got now. That's mm. clearly helped hundreds and hundreds of uh, veterans and their families, mm-hmm. and hopefully will uh, help many more in the years to come. Amazing, and uh, you know we don't need to go into too much of. Um your, you know, your military deployments as such, but although there is one thing I wouldn't mind sort of touching on, that's just sort of what was it that 
drew you to become, you know, from an infantry officer, you know, trained for war, take, take, <laughs> take the boys to the, to the battlefield should the need arise, to um, wanting to become a padre. Not that that's, you know, a softer thing, but it's just a very di- different line of work. What was it that made you make that decision to, to change over? Well, there's a couple of things, really. Uh, firstly, I had... I suppose I'd completed all the objectives that I had in being an infantry officer. Right, I, right. By, uh, yeah, by 1989, I was a lieutenant colonel in the infantry. I'd uh, commanded a number of units. I'd commanded uh, troops deployed overseas in operations. Um, but at the same time, there was this critical need for chaplains in the army. That mm. there, there were, there, there, Every unit should have a chaplain and, and lots of units didn't have at the time and, and the scheme came up where they uh, wanted people from within the military to train to become to become chaplains. I'd always had a strong Christian faith mm. um, and uh, and that came to the fore when I was in Iran. I had an experience there. Well, in fact, the whole t- my time in that Iran-Iraq war was very traumatic. There's people dying every day and and uh, I was the commanding officer of this contingent and uh, one, one day I was taken captive by some Iranian Hezbollah militia people and I uh, thought I was going to die and... Uh, I did my best to try to deal with the situation, but I realised things were pretty hopeless. And uh, to cut a long story short, I, I just said a prayer, just praying for God's protection. And uh, miraculously, one of the uh, the men that was holding me uh, decided to let me escape, and uh, I got away from that situation. And uh, I made a commitment then that if I survived that uh, conflict, that I would uh, give my, the rest of my life to serving God in some particular way. Mm. And uh, I, I was already aware that this scheme to, for ordaining married men in the Catholic Church had become available. Mm-hmm. And when I came back from uh, the mission, I, I went to the authorities and told them that I'd, if you want me, I'll, I'm prepared to, uh, to get involved in this. Yep. Um, Actually, my time in the infantry was all about people. You know, it was all about working with people. All of the roles that I had were in either leadership or yep. training people, and I uh, and I and I valued the contribution that chaplains had made in my life. And uh, as I found out, I was able to make a uh, probably a more significant contribution to the lives of people as a chaplain than I did as a as a regimental officer in the infantry. But anyway, one one thing led led to another and I, I probably wouldn't have done a good as chaplain job as a chaplain had I not been an infantry officer in the first place. Right, so it sounds like there's really been some kind of crossroads uh, incidents in your life that have really shaped the decisions that you made after and what you d- decided to get into, not only the chaplaincy but also um, your own uh, health challenges, both physical and mental and some of the things that you went through and you've it's helped you identify a gap, really a gap in uh, the veteran health spectrum. You know, we've got health for, we've got support for taking care of people's health. We've got, um, you know, things in place for fitness and and so forth. But you really saw a gap in kind of holistic health, and that's that, that's a, I mean that in a secular meaning, um, not necessarily purely religious sense. But you identified that there isn't still a huge need out there. Yes, absolutely. I, I, probably one of the philosophies that I, has come to me over the years is that it, it's we learn more from our difficulties than we mm. do from things that work well. And and certainly when we um, yeah when we experience difficulty, there is something to be learnt from it. Mm. Um, as I said before, too much of the veterans' paradigm at the moment is focused on sickness and what's yep. going yep. poorly in a person's life, and the, and that 
tends to become the narrative that the people have in their, their head that they're sick people, that they're totally and permanently incapacitated. Mm, mm. Some people even get that formal nomenclature on the, written on a card for them. So um, That becomes yeah, part of their identity then, that, doesn't it? That's right. Yep. And, 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 and we, we are not that. We're not, we're that certainly illness and, and difficulties, tragedy, suffering is part of our life, mm. but it's part of every life as well, mm. but it doesn't need to be the predominant part. And, yep. and I, I suppose I've, I've come to realise that when difficulties come up, they're sometimes they, they're providing an opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to further develop some situations. So, yes, definitely there were, there were gaps in the veterans' health approach. I mean, again, it could have been really up 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 until now we've had a veteran sickness right. program right. uh how to, how you know where people focus on sickness and and um that that's yeah that that's the major sort of uh, you know focus that i think that need needs to happen now and it, and it's and it's absolutely happening i mean yeah. we fortunately we met with the the minister of veterans affairs last year in timor in september at the 20th anniversary of the interfed activities and he was uh He'd already been bombarded by lots of other people over there who told him that you need to see what these folks are doing because yeah. it's making a big d- difference in the lives of not only the Australian veterans but also the Timorese veterans. And uh, subsequently we've had much uh, more detailed engagement with the Department of Veterans Affairs and uh, and they've actually asked us to contribute to their future re- rehabilitation model. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's sort of really exciting there. And it, in one sense, what we're doing is not rocket science. Mm. It's actually just bringing together um, lots of different disciplines that we're operating independently and sort of saying that we can, you know, we, all of these things can be synthesised together and produce an outcome that's, uh, that's going to sort of float the boats of people, that's going to uh, collectively sort of get people moving forward mm. as opposed to just individual spasmodic sort of treatments here and there, which never actually get the veteran into a situation where they can see themselves moving forward. But yeah, because it is, it is a very complicated case. The um, the veteran space has just got so many nuances about it that I think that uh, without having the the guidance or the insight or the you know um, the angle that f- former veterans ourselves can bring to the party, I think a lot of um, traditional practices sometimes they end up a little bit in the dark about now like how do how do we move the needle on, on this space it seems like it's some people are getting worse some people are staying the same and some people are getting better but it's, it's just like there are some idiosyncrasies and some nuances to the veteran space that i think have to be handled delicately yes now well you brought up a really important point there i mean actually out there in society there are all the resources and all the mm. the things that people need to, to live a happy and healthy life yeah. but how we how those are communicated and, and received by people that are struggling with issues is the, is the question and uh, and what we are what you were leading to there is that we, we as veterans you know we and, and our, our the, the nomenclature we have chosen as as peer support mentors yeah. which is essentially what we're doing we're you know peer mentors are yeah. able to communicate to veterans in a way that Civilian clinicians who haven't had that same experience mm. uh, um, uh, can't, and of course, the, the majority of, of the people working in our team are people who have gone through the wars, gone through the mm. the ups and downs of life, yep. and uh, and they they're realistic, yeah. and they 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 can really understand and have empathy with a person who's got a, name, a number of issues, and and uh, and they can communicate to them in a way to actually 
help some of these things like some of our veterans have never experienced mindfulness or yoga or even different forms of spirituality mm-hmm. but um, but because we have t- taken that journey worked out what works for us what doesn't work for us we can share that with them and um, I suppose we're a little bit more believable and and we're able to uh, and and also we're committed to them I mean we, we we're not doing this for for money or for mm-hmm. Credit or anything like that. We're doing it because we really care. I mean, we called our, ex- our organization the Veterans Care Association. We are we are veterans who really care, and we um, people can see the genuineness in that mm. and realize that, um, that that's right. Even when we get presented with situations, new situations that we haven't faced before, that we'll, we'll work out a solution yeah. and we'll work yeah. it out together. Yeah. And uh, we don't want to. We don't. Not in the business of rescuing people, but yep. we're in the business of accompanying them and yeah. supporting them. But but ab- absolutely. The, um, the, the, the yeah the, the, this major contribution we're making is to try to value the contributions that veterans can make to uh, to help other veterans. Right. And uh, yeah. uh, another little statement I like to say is that uh, we, we we want to be part of the solution. We want it, we don't want to be a problem. Mm. We want to be part of the solution. Right, right. And what would be your um your advice to anyone who's sort of listening to this might say, well, you know, we need people with qualifications, we need people who have done this, we've done that. Um, yeah, whilst everybody agrees that, that that is important, it is important to have those sorts of people in your corner. When it comes to peer-to-peer uh, engagement, when it comes to peer-to-peer models like what VCA stands for, um, in addition to what you've already said, what would be your biggest piece of advice to anyone who has maybe who's on the sitting on the fence about whether it's a good idea or not? Well, I think like like anything in life, you know, come and try it out. I yeah. mean, we, we we run these programs called Timor Awakening. We're now running them here in Australia on the Gold Coast, and the I suppose my you know we, we completely you can see exactly what we're going to do. We've got programs, uh, the, the training program that people can look at. Come mm. come and experience it. Talk yep. to someone who's done it. Yep. Uh, have a look at our website. Look at the the various reports, the pictures, the, the videos. Uh, see if this might be something for you. I, mm. I, I guarantee if you you went along to our Veterans Care website or our Timor Awakening website, yep. you would just see a whole bunch of veterans with smiling, happy faces, mm. enjoying themselves. And, uh, and yeah, I'd, I'd invite people just to try it out. And the, yeah. the simplest thing you can do, just make contact with our organisation, send us an email to support at veteranscare.com.au, come and meet us here at to Victoria Park Road one Monday when our, our team is gathered. But more critically, put in an expression of interest for our, one of our programs. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, I guess one, I'm always trying to put myself into the mind of someone who's listening to this who might be on the fence for a few reasons. So if another concern that someone has is, wow, that looks looks kind of scary, like you're going overseas, you're going back to a place where they may have served in what was a war zone at the time, like you you're sitting around, you're talking to each other, there's these big group environments, like if someone's sort of been hiding in the shadows for many years potentially or, you know, has done some programs that potentially aren't as intense, um, that this might seem a little bit of a, uh, a long bow to draw for. What would be your insight into that? So, first of all, I, I would understand absolutely yeah. that some people might have anxiety about anything. They might have, they might have generalised anxiety disorder, so they're going to worry about anything that right. could possibly sort of come up. So... We're 
completely attuned to that. Right. I suppose the first thing I'd say is that uh, we're not like Alcoholics Anonymous where yeah. we're going to ask you to, or even going to see a psychologist where mm-hmm. they invite you to tell all the bad things that have happened in your life and yeah. re-traumatise you. In fact, we don't even do that at all. We don't, in, in none of our group activities, do we focus on the things that have happened in the past. We, uh, we don't worry too much about things that are, might be only happening in the future. We just try to help people in the present moment, mm. help them to find you know, what it is that they need to get through today happily. And we provide. So the, the whole uh, approach that we have is, is developing a positive growth mindset to looking at what's going well in our lives, mm. how can we improve on that, um, what's, going, what's been not going so well in our lives and how can we put that behind us and let it go. Yep. Um, so, but we do it at your pace. You know, every, every veteran will be assigned a, a peer support mentor yep. who would be their first point of contact in any mm. situation that comes up. Mm. Then beyond that, we've got our, our larger uh, group of volunteers and, and then we've got our own staff group, which yep. you're a part of as well. So, uh, and, and we, beyond that, we have our, yep. our specialist consultants, psychologists, doctors, uh, and other therapists that, uh, that we can refer to. But, um, but, I suppose in the end, we just ask you to trust us. Yeah, because we're that's right. We're 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 doing this because we care, and because we have worked out a way that helps veterans, and uh, we're happy to share that with you as well. Amazing, yeah. Look, I've just got one one last question. We better um, wrap up. One one of the other things I do see out there is that um, you know because I've been working with VCA for three years myself is that a lot of people have some hesitancy in applying. Because they feel that if they didn't have a career that was rich in deployments, perhaps they never deployed at all, uh, or they weren't from an arms corps, or they never went to Timor, you know, or that they were, you know, not in the, not at the sharp end of the spear, as it were, that perhaps they don't deserve a spot, or they'd be taking someone else's spot. And we do hear that, and sometimes it's a bit of an excuse, and sometimes it's a legitimate concern. What's your advice for that? Well, absolutely. We want to support anyone who would like support, whether, whether, whether you're deployed overseas or never. Whether you're, so there are people we've taken on programs who never even completed their basic training that they right. were injured in training. Um, but it, it, anyone who's experienced difficulties uh, subsequent to them serving in the military, we want to support them. I mean, the majority of people that we deal with, and this will be no surprise to a lot of our listeners, had difficult experiences growing up in their right. in their family of origin, and uh, that that probably of all things, that's probably the most common uh, presentation that I've discovered in my role as a, a chaplain. Right. That uh, that some people join the military to get away from a dysfunctional family. If that's you, we're here to help you because we we're, we're mindful that our, all of our life experiences are mm-hmm. an amalgam of our, you know various uh, things that have happened to us along the journey of life, and uh, we want. To support you, you know, we don't. Uh, nobody should feel that you're going to be treated any differently because of what you've done or what you haven't done or what you might have done. Um, we're just veterans who care, and uh, if you have a need, we've got a solution. Fantastic, love it, Gary. Look, before we wrap up, is anything else you want to add, or any other questions that I might have missed? Uh, no, Michael. Like, thank. Well, I just want to say thank you for all the work that you've done for Veterans Care. Michael is a professional life coach, been part of a, a valued member of our team. Um, there are plenty of other members of the team as well. That hopefully will be appearing on these podcasts. Absolutely. And um, yeah, just thank you, thank you for that. And for that, for those that are listening, I just hope you come away with a message of hope. Come away with a. a, a 
an awareness that we've got a very positive organisation here that's got plenty of runs on the board, that we've been doing this for six years now. We've fine-tuned what we're doing and uh, and we're prepared to meet any situation and we're no, no problem is too difficult. Um, we, we'd like to help anyone out there that like to would like to live a healthy and happy life and beyond that make a positive difference to the world and in due course help other people in need as well. Awesome. Thanks for those kind words, Gary. I appreciate it. And um, I look forward to our next chat. Thank you very much, Michael. God bless you. Thanks, Gary. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We trust it's been valuable. If you've got any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do encourage you to share this podcast with anyone you feel really needs to hear it. And keep a lookout for our next episode. Thank you.